All right, well, welcome. I know a few more are going to be coming in, and I know a few are online streaming this, so just want to say excited to gather and think through technology, how the gospel relates, <laughs> um, and to just, just think uh, how we can honor and glorify God with our habits. Uh, uh, I'm just going to introduce Nathan, tell you a little bit about tonight, and then I'll pray, and then I'm going to hand it over to Nathan. So um, tonight, Nathan's going to talk for uh, 45 minutes. I'll then come up, and we're going to have a Q&A. So if you have questions, something kind of sparked your curiosity, this is a time where you can ask questions. Just raise your hand. If you are online, Phil is going to uh, put up my phone number. Not easy. That's, that's, that's some power. He's going to put up my phone number and just text me the question, and then I will come up here and I'll read those, and we'll have a kind of a 20 to 30-minute conversation about technology and the gospel. All right? Uh, Nathan is a Christian. He's a, um, which is the best thing about him. He, th- this is true. Um, we got to get our theology right. Um, he is a husband to Anna. And little known fact, she's in the back there, yeah. Um, why we also need to talk about technology is because um, of a 30-second story. Um, I think this is true. I don't think this is myth. But when I was in college... I was on technology. It wasn't great technology because this was almost 20 years ago, but I was on a flip phone as a girl was breaking up with me and I was driving because we didn't know that you weren't supposed to drive and talk at that point. And I ran into a car and I'm pretty sure it was Anna's car. Pretty sure. So, um, see, I, I need help with technology. Um, father of three. Um, and I'm just so grateful because as we've gone on walks and talked, um, as Nathan shares his heart and passion for technology, I just love that he, he, he wants to marinate a conversation about technology in the gospel. And I'm just so grateful for that. So um, with that said, let me pray and um, we'll begin. God, I just thank you for uh, this time to gather, to think, um, uh, to, to think about technology, to not um, think overtly negative thoughts, but, but to think about how we could steward it and be wise with it and, and think Christianly about technology. So um, we pray that you would give us wisdom. We, we pray, Lord, that even as it's late, that you would give us ears to hear, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that this would be a blessing to our own lives and to our families' lives. And we just pray all this in your son's name. Amen. And I'm on. All right. Hi, hi, everyone. This is unusual. Um, thank you all for visiting me here in my prison cell. Uh, it's very kind of you. As uh, Stephen said, my name is Nathan Sutherland. Uh, a little bit about me beyond the fact that, yes, Jesus is the best part of me and the second best part of me is sitting right back there, um, is that uh, I, I'm in this position after speaking and teaching for 11 years. I was uh, most recently at Aylin Junior High, just downtown Puyallup, Go Birds, uh, an eighth grade middle school teacher, language arts. Uh, and I really, in that process of teaching, realized, man, I'm not passionate about seeing kids learn their subject and predicate, although it is important. It's very valuable to communicate well and let other people understand you. Uh, But my passion was seeing kids reach their full potential. So four years ago, Anna and I started a nonprofit called Flint and Iron. 
And the whole idea was sparking positive purpose in youth. And we did it for three years. I part-time taught. So I was just afternoons. And then in the mornings, I wrote and spoke and traveled and did all the stuff that goes into figuring out how to do this. And then uh, just last year, I stepped out of the classroom. So we are going on our second year now with gospel tech. And so the, the idea behind gospel tech is really that we want to equip families to love God and use tech. So that still fits in our focus. If we want to spark positive purpose in youth, because we believe that young people will reach their full potential when they understand their purpose in Christ. So that is where we are aiming. And the reason gospel tech matters is because, well, if you don't start with the gospel, you can do whatever you want with technology. You could, your kid could never get a smartphone. They could never go on the internet. But I don't know if you've noticed, the world was evil way before the World Wide Web. Right? It's a heart issue, and a lot of our technology is manifesting out of that. Now, is there technology that can bring in some dark places where we never would have let it? Absolutely. And we're going to talk about that today. But today is not a conversation about how can we swap the chairs on the Titanic. Right? If that ship is going down without Jesus, it might look pretty. It's still going down. So we're going to talk today about how do we equip families? Parents, how do we empower you? Young people, this talk actually isn't your talk. Uh, There's a different version for you. But today what you're going to hear is, hopefully, how can you have a voice in your technology? Because it probably does mean something different to you than it does to your parents. And it might sound like they're just old people telling you to get off their lawn. Okay? So how do we have those conversations and recognize, where is this? This is important to me, and this is part of how I communicate. And where is it? Hey, this is crossing lines that are unhealthy. So that's where today's conversation goes and uh, yeah, do, as you come up with ideas, write those down. Before we go any further, there, you should have three things. You should have this lovely piece of paper. Um, it's your notes. Jot on it as you see fit. Sorry, that wasn't as sturdy. Um, but that's going to help you just kind of follow along. There's some stuff I won't say, but I wanted you to have, and it was awkward to put in slides, like the bullet point research down there at the bottom. So Just know that that's going to be kind of where we walk through. You're going to see this little guy here with my awkwardly large photo on the back. That's what happens when you hire someone to make these. Uh, She's she's smarter than me, so I'm going to trust her on that. But that's, you have my email on there. There's a couple quick hit facts that we'll cover uh, as far as the research with some of the resources. So, and flintiron.org is the current website. Gospeltech.net is being built out as we speak. And then this little guy, we'll come back to this. But a QR code, you take your camera, you point it at that, and it will take you to a link. Um, And everyone here, you can get 35% off the online workshop, which we are just launching. So fresh that it doesn't even have a printed workbook. It has a PDF that you will get when you go online with that. But you can check it out for free. There's a preview on there. It'll take you through the first lesson. It'll show you what the workbook looks like. Uh, We've spent the last year of our lives uh, pumping into that. And the idea is these little 10-minute lessons so that you can— because you're going to learn a lot tonight. You're going to be like, yeah, that was good. And then you're going to go home and have real life for half a week. And next week and go, what did, he, what did he say again? What was that thing? So that's what the online workshop is meant to be. It's to help you form a tech framework with your family. So as long as you've got those three, we're ready to go. If you need a pen, Stephen has a box of them somewhere. Oh, Stephen put them in the back on that table. So if you need a pen, keep it. Don't give it back. No cootie passing today. All right. With that, let's begin. Four questions we're going to address today. First, How in the world does gospel and tech relate? This is a question I get a lot, especially when I talk to like high schoolers. They're like, gospel and tech, those aren't even the, those aren't related topics. So we'll talk. We need, we need that to be our foundation. Then we're going to talk about what is tech because we get confused a lot when we talk about technology and we start hearing stories or statistics or scary documentaries or whatever. 
Anyone who's been watching The Social Dilemma, that's all right, we'll get there. And if you haven't, maybe put it on your list. Um, is my tech healthy and what can we do if it's not? All right, that's where we're headed today. First, the gospel and tech. Again, I get this question a lot of how do these two relate? And I will start with a story about my son. So I, uh, this particular story is actually how my younger son, when he was two, knocked out the two front teeth of my older son, who was four. They're now five and seven, but two and four. These are their shining faces right here. We were doing a little like before bed wrestling, right? We were letting the boys run down the hallway and they would tackle me with a pillow and then they'd jump up and run back. And the four-year-old realized if he didn't want to wait a turn, he could just run down the hall, knock his brother to the ground, run back to the far end and get a head start, right? And he would be able to truck his brother again on the way back to me. And he could just do that on loop. And he never had to let Henry have a turn. Now, we would stop. We'd say, Henry, that's unkind, right? Don't knock your brother down. Jesus says you need to be looking out for your younger brother, right? We're looking for others, considering them better than ourselves, not breaking their bones, right? Like we had that talk. It went right off his back, right? Doesn't matter, dad. One time in particular, the faded moment was when he had tackled me and he could hear Henry's footsteps, right? And I literally saw the crazy in his eyes. Like he got up and you could like watch this four-year-old brain just rolling and he turned around and I could hear like, oh, I didn't tell you this part. Uh, In our hallway, there's double doors, But this night, I'd only opened one door. The other one was still bolted in, which means you had to run around. You had no line of sight. And in Owen's mind, he was thinking, I'm going to go knock my brother down again. I'm going to get another turn. He didn't know what I knew, which was Henry was really close, like dangerously close. And he took off, and I just remember yelling, Owen, no! And he got to the door, and the impact sounded like if you put pudding in a sock, like hit a cabbage with it, like it was thick, and it was moist, and I watched a tooth skip across the carpet, right? And I went and scooped him up and ran him to the bathroom, right? I did not go, see, I told, right? That's not what loving parents do. Ran him to the bathroom, and there was, there was no blood yet. It was just a tooth, and then all the blood in the bathroom. We started getting on the phone, calling all the dentists we knew, all the orthodontists, like just what? Are these teeth salvageable? The short answer, by the way, no, um, because he still doesn't have them. <laughs> so it's been a couple years. And he, he's a quick, tough kid. It's like a minute in, and he stops crying. Just, Dad, yeah, buddy, I want my teeth back. Because it's hard to say teeth when you don't have the front two. And I was like, I understand that, buddy. But that is, for me, an image of what we do sometimes with our technology, right? We are running down the hallway of life, having a grand old time, right? Just doing whatever feels right because I'm not hurting anybody. It's fine. And God is telling us, hey, you need to take a break. You need to step back. You need to slow down. You're going to get your teeth knocked out. God isn't trying to run our lives because he likes having control. He's already got that. The gospel tech and the gospel in this is really recognizing what is our foundation for joy and purpose? Where are we going to have life to the fullest? And how can we best line up with that? And in light of that, we don't want to be my son with our front teeth spiritually knocked out. God still loves us. He's still taking care of us. But man, that hurt and it didn't need to happen. And as we raise our young people, as we have our marriages, that's the image I want going into today. This conversation is, are we just running full speed down a hallway about to get our teeth knocked out? And is there something we could do to better listen to what God's telling us? Okay? So then we need part B of that conversation. Well, what's the gospel? We're going to be real succinct. The gospel is the good news that God saves sinners. But that good news comes with bad news. The good news is that God saves sinners. The bad news is 
Ephesians 2.1, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Dead is not good news, right? We have a terminal spiritual diagnosis according to the gospel, and I'm still telling you, it's weird to have someone tell you like, you're going to die. That's good news. That's weird. But hear me out. My buddy was traveling in Switzerland with his wife. They had a dream staycation planned. She was going to go on an equestrian journey. She was going to take care of fancy horses in the Alps. He was going to work a farm, and they were really excited. They arrived. They worked a couple weeks. It was going swimmingly until he got sick. Turns out Swiss farm hands aren't supposed to get sick. The guy was pretty upset, about to kick him out. He's like, no, I think I can power through. My buddy's running 103 fever for like six straight days. He gets some antibiotics. He gets better. Until the antibiotics run out 10 days later. It's on a weekend. He's back to 104 degree temperature and he is leveled. He goes into the Swiss ER, sees a new doctor. The doctor is there for about six minutes. Calls in a nurse. He calls an aid car. Four hours later, my buddy's having open heart surgery in Switzerland. Turned out he had something called endocarditis. He had a growth five millimeters wide in one of the ventricles of his heart. He would have died by the end of the weekend. It was really good news that a doctor told him, you are going to die. <laughs> We're giving you open heart surgery immediately. If you are not told, according to the gospel, that you are going to die, there's no reason for you to seek help. You're going to live life like, I feel kind of funky, but I'm all right. I'm not as bad as that guy. He's on the gurney already, right? Like, I'm doing okay. The gospel's good news because it tells us you are going to die and the surgeon is Jesus and he's already got all the equipment he needs to give you new life and make you a new creation, okay? So the bad news is you're going to die. The good news is but God. Two of the best words in the entire Bible. You're really, really bad, but God. You don't have this together, but God. Your kids might be failing a tech, but God. That's what we come back to. Your kids are not a reflection of you and your quality and worth because, but God, and here's the rest of it, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our transplant. Remember how you're dead? That's the bad news. Even while you're there, made us alive together in Christ. That's the good news we're operating from. Because of that, now we can start looking at our tech and go, okay, does this reflect the fact that I'm alive in Christ? Or is this just more of that dead sickness stuff hanging on and it needs to go? That's the conversation we're having when it comes to the gospel. So how does the gospel relate to tech? Well, we're saved for the world, not from it. Ephesians 2.10. So we started with Ephesians 2.1. We moved to Ephesians 2.4. And if you go to the very end, it says that you are saved for good works God has planned beforehand for you to do. Saved for works. Not by them. You're not saved by your works, but you're saved for them. James 2.17 would tell you that. Those works matter, and God's already planned them for you. He's saved you so you can do them, and that tech is now a reflection of that. So we're not going to run away from technology. We're going to use it to the fullest extent of extending the gospel as it moves in our hearts and others, and no further. And that is going to be our basis for this then. So then we need to answer the question. All right, so we know what the gospel is. The good news that God saves sinners we know the bad news is that I'm a sinner. We know the good news is Christ has already paid for that and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So then what is tech if we're gospel tech? We're actually going to split it into two categories. First category is going to be tool tech. Tool tech is tech that helps us create. It's tech that leverages your gifts and abilities. The, the kind of 
what would you call it? The main traits of tool tech is it's going to operate at the pace of real life. It's going to focus on creating. And it is, uh, well, it's actually written right there, right? Did I put these on the paper in front of you? I just want to point it out if I did. No, I didn't. Rats. Sorry about that, guys. Um, it's going to focus on the pace of real life. I put it up here, that's why. It's going to help you creating. It's going to focus on your gifts and interests. I see a couple of you writing, so I'll pause a moment. Your other option, then, <laughs> is, tool, is drool tech. Drool tech is not bad, but it has a very different focus. It's designed in a different way, and it's going to have a different outcome. <clears throat> and as we're going to learn in a minute, it has a different impact on you, your children. First, the point is to consume. Okay? It is based on you being passive in the process, and you're going to be, it's going to be faster than real life. So when we talk consume, the question is, are you making this thing work? Or are you just kind of watching it work? Okay? The second is, it's faster than real life. Overstimulation is a very real thing. And as we are finding in developing brains, overstimulation has an incredibly negative effect. Both from your ability to get things like sleep, to your ability to focus, to your ability to enjoy real life because the dopamine cycle in your brain gets hijacked. And now you can't like real life. You'll run into kids who are like, oh, I don't like this. Why? It's, it's boring. They're not making that up. They're not just choosing to like video games or social media or their shows more than real life. It literally doesn't stack up. The brain can actually get so overstimulated, it starts shutting off dopamine receptors. So let's use nathan size numbers. If your brain has 10 dopamine receptors, again, nathan size numbers. It's like trillions, but whatever. 10 dopamine receptors and you get absolutely washed with overstimulation for long periods of time, let's say it goes down to seven and then to four, and then you get the point where someone's almost catatonic, right? They basically don't have a lot going on emotionally unless they're talking about video games or playing a video. Right now they come alive because their brain just went, woohoo, I'm going to give you this much dopamine because real life only gives you this much. And if you're getting 40% of that much, it's not a lot. And life feels very boring, right? The last thing is there's rewards built in. Right? There is a cycle of encouraging you to continue. Um, the research that comes off would be called uh, Hebbian Theory of Learning. So Dr. Hebb was working in the 1940s, and he's the one who established, if I were to paraphrase, that the neurons that fire together wire together. Basically, the stuff you do repeatedly, you get better at doing. Well, that was taken by a second guy who made a certain box in psychology. If you're familiar with Skinner's box, he trained a pigeon how to play ping pong. He trained a rat to press a lever on command. It's the general idea that goes into most of our social media. It's the reason you have likes. It's the reason you can track followers. It's the reason video games have loot. And they also have purchasable content. Right? The reason is you're actually being trained in the way they want you to go. So those rewards are part of Drool Tech. They're not bad, but they are intentional. And we need to be uh, intentional. Actually, pull the refresh on social media is another. That's my favorite. Where you pull and then you kind of wait to see what's going to pop up next. Right? It was literally intentional based on research done uh, in the gambling industry uh, that they would give you a, they could have just given you everything on your feed. You don't need to have it pop up randomly, but it's more attractive. It's more fun that way. It feels like you did something. So here's the question. Is this tool or drool tech? Nail gun. Thank you. I know it feels like a trick, right? You're like, I don't, I don't know. That feels too easy. It is tool tech. And the reason is because you have to do it, right? It's a really fancy hammer. 
It's only doing what you tell it to do. It requires your input to do that thing. And if you walk away, it just lays there. Someone might say, well, what about a computerized one and a big fancy? Someone still has to program it, right? You had to code that thing to do what you want. So if you're using a 3D printer, it's just a fancy nail gun. Someone has to code it, tell it what to do. And then it does exactly what you said to do. You were the input, right? Not the output. What about a radio? That's not technology. You could put podcast here, but that felt like a little too close to home. So let's, uh, let's say radio. Those people out there that listen to the radio. Is that tool or drool? Ooh, that's interesting, right? Well, for most of us, this is going to be drool tech because very few of us are creating radio programs. And I would, I would venture a guess that nine-tenths of us are not listening to radio programs and then informing our daily decisions. Most of us are going, did you hear? Right? It's infotainment. Right? I learned fun facts. I'm now going to share those fun facts, but they don't really affect the way I live. Right? It's just now the people making it, sure, if you're making a radio program, you are designing it, it's operating at your pace, and it's your information created to go out and be consumed. So we have that. What about Netflix? But what about documentaries? For the most part, right? Like if you've ever seen Super Size Me, I have not eaten any less McDonald's. But I was like, oh, that was gross. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Right? Like it, I didn't change my behavior based on that, but it was really interesting. Like look at how fat he got. Like it's fine. It's fun. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's entertaining, but it's, it's probably not tool tech. I have watched, right? I watched The Social Dilemma, right? I am actually working through it. Excuse me, I've not finished it. Um, I'm working through it. And that is tool tech, right? I am looking at those people, going and looking up their research, right? I'm now informing my practice based on what these other very smart individuals are telling me, and I'm making sure that it's all accurate, right? So that's tool tech, but we do need to make sure we understand just because it's a documentary doesn't mean we're applying it. It might still just be drool tech. How about your news feed, wherever you get that from electronically, your phone, your homepage, right? So now if, you, if you're checking an online app, Right? So I have the Wall Street Journal app. I have New York Times app. And I go to their app with a paid subscription. That might be a different conversation. Let's set that to the side just for a moment. Let's talk about your feed. So you swipe left on your phone or you just pop open whatever your news, you open the news app. And it's giving you a conglomerate of information for you. Is that tool or drool? And the way we would know that is because we would ask ourselves, did I go and find this? Or did an algorithm pick this for me? In fact, you and your spouse would probably have different feeds. In fact, if you and your spouse go to Google and search the same topic, you will probably end up with different search results. Because an algorithm is deciding based on your age, based on your purchase history, based on your social media friends, based on a number of different data points they've got, they believe this is what you want to hear. It's either going to make you mad or really happy. Okay? Because those are the two things that churn more viewers, that then churn more income, that then allow them to be trillion-dollar companies, right? That's, that's the way that works. So news feeds are not an adequate way to get our information. That includes if social media is your number one way for information. Please do not rely on that. That, that might be a surprise to you, but I just wanted to say that. That is drool tech. It's fine. It's not all bad. It just, it's not all accurate either, and you're not the one driving that learning. You are being fed. That's literally a news feed. That's what it's called. And by the way, the social dilemma points out that um, the only other industry that calls its end consumers users is the drug industry. So maybe just think about that too. Uh, so finally is the computer. 
for a world stuck at home school right now we should address this. Is that tool or drool tech? Right. Isn't that tricky? And unfortunately, there is no educational device yet invented, is there? So like my school district when I was teaching brought in one-to-one devices and handed them to kids and the trillion-dollar company that provided those gave us Minecraft on them. This might surprise you, but 13-year-old boys when told to read To Build a Fire, if you don't know about that, it's about a dude freezing to death in the Yukon. Or the icon next to it is Minecraft. You might be surprised to to hear they would choose Minecraft over guy freezing to death in the Yukon, right? Like that's a really hard competition. So we have tool tech and drool tech in the exact same portal, one icon away, and sometimes notifications going, hey, did you remember that there was an app for that? Hey, did you ever think about coming in here? Right? That's going to be important. When we talk tool tech and drool tech, here's why we care. Now, there's a lot of bullet points on your notes about that. We'll touch a couple of them. But starting with the fact that eight plus hours, this is from a 2019 Common Sense Media National Survey, eight plus hours is how much time on average a teenager is spending on drool tech. This is not on homework on their computers. This is completely consumption tech, entertainment tech, in a day, on average. Now, some kids are 45 minutes. So that you know, that does double. So if I am on Snapchat while I'm also watching TV or whatever, right, those are, those are counting double because I'm getting twice the amount of stimulation, right? And so my brain is working overtime. So that, is, that isn't eight straight hours. But I ask my students, how does this happen? And like, well, I set my alarm early so that I can start watching a show. I watch my favorite three or four YouTubers before I roll out of bed. I eat breakfast by myself, so I'm usually on social media. I'm on the bus by myself. I'm first to get picked up, so it's another 40 minutes. So I'm in two hours before I walk into first period, right? That's how we're getting there. At five hours a day, the chances of depression, actually the research was the, depre- the chances of suicidal ideation, which I would argue is more advanced than just depression, it goes up about 70%. The chances that you're going to experience suicidal ideation, 70% higher in a kid who's spending five plus hours a day, we are nearly doubling that on average. And that's drool tech. This is not your kid using AutoCAD. This is not your kid using word processors. This is not you doing whatever job you have online or on a screen. This is specifically talking consumption tech. And in 2018, the World Health Organization recognized gaming disorder as a mental condition that is now able to get funding and professional treatment. The U.S. hasn't accepted it yet because, and I paraphrase, most of the studies were done in Asia. I don't know what that means, but that's what the answer was for why we haven't adopted it yet in ours. So just know that that's kind of what we're dealing with. That is drool tech specific compared to tool tech. So if you're wondering, man, how do I know if my kids' homeschooling tech is okay? I would ask, are they spending most of their time watching their favorite YouTuber, or are they on word processing and using it as a tool to create their own? By the way, themselves sitting down and recording themselves and making their own YouTube channel, tool tech, okay? Because you can't create something faster than you can think, right? So tool tech inevitably moves at the pace. So your kid can go make a video game. They can only design that game as fast as their brain can work. It's tool tech. When they sit down and enjoy a video game, there's a really good chance it's going to be overstimulating unless you're like original Nintendo. All right. Which those are hard to find nowadays unless you're willing to steal them, and I would not encourage that. I'm not saying you should do that. Question one was, what's the gospel? How does it tie with tech? 
It's the good news that God saves sinners, and it's the foundation we work from. So we are working out of the hope our kids and ourselves have in Christ as new creations already that God's already made us at. So we're not working out of fear. We're not worried that tech is going to steal our children away, like that old 90s movie Labyrinth. Right? It's not going to come in and snatch our kids out of the cradle and run away with them. We understand the hope we have. So when we intervene in technology, we go, man, I love you so much and I see the hope you have. I don't want that to get distracted by this. So yes, we might be removing this. I'm not mad at you. This is not punishment. Okay? I'm not trying to ruin your life. I love you. And you're running down a hallway about to get your teeth knocked out. And I'm going to help you recognize that. Knowing that someday your kid's going to be 18 making their own decisions hopefully with a job that they can buy their own phone, right? Like, that's going to be a thing when they get there. Are they going to recognize joy? Are they going to know Jesus, not just know about him? Because some of the angriest people I know are people who know a lot about Jesus, but they've never met him. They've only met people that didn't look like him and also knew a lot about him. So we need our kids to recognize in us what Christ looks like. And now we're going to talk, all right, well, is my tech use healthy? It's actually a really quick answer to that. There's a little acronym. I'm going to call it a RESET. This is in your notes. Um, the reset looks at these five areas, and it's just a yes or no. It's a thumbs up, thumbs down. There's no gradient. There's not, well, I'm a three out of four. No, no. You're a yay or a nay. It's very important that we go black and white on this. And if you can't find black and white, just know it probably isn't good for you, right? If you're like, well, I could, you're probably making excuses for stuff. I'm just going to tell you up front. There's a loving conversation to be had there. And I'll, I'll go through these one on time. Don't worry. It, it will come through it. Here we go. First one. Relationships and responsibilities. You're going to ask, does my tech use impede my relationships and responsibilities? Does it get in the way of th- the people that I'm committed to and the activities I have committed to? We're told that our yes is to be yes, our no is to be no. So if there are friends that I'm no longer seeing, if there are family relationships that are deteriorating, If there are social gatherings I normally would go to outside of COVID, I understand that's kind of a wonky thing right now. Because of my technology use, we have an issue, right? So I had a young man in class who was failing four out of six classes, was completely cut off from his friend group, seemed fairly depressed. We had a staffing for him, all six teachers, both counselors, one administrator. Grandparents come in, say, it doesn't make any sense. Three weeks ago, we took away his TV. We took away his computer. We took away his Xbox. We took away his PlayStation. And I'm like, wow. All right, first of all. But anyway, like, and all he does is he comes home, eats a snack, goes to his room. We don't see him again for the rest of the night. Like, that's weird. I have this kid in second period, and he sleeps every day, right? Like, something isn't adding up. Like, hey, Steve, could you take your phone out? Took his phone out. It's like, could you unlock it for me? He unlocked it for me. And sure enough, if you just swipe it's folder after folder after folder filled with games. Steve, how many games do you think you got on here? Probably about 500. Okay. All right. Now, Steve's problem, I would argue, isn't actually gaming. Steve is super unhealthy psychologically, and he escapes with gaming. He's self-medicating, right? It's a symptom of what's going on inside Steve's heart. But we could spot that based on his—I skipped one. There you go. Relationships and responsibilities, right? Your grades are plummeting. Your friends are isolated. You're locking yourself in your room. This isn't good, Steve, right? That's not good. What's going on, buddy? Now, it's possible that the video games aren't even the premise that he's getting bullied or there's something other 
in his life, it was a huge deal. There's a reason he was living with his grandparents, right? There were huge things off in Steve's life that he needed professional counseling for, that he needed the gospel for, and he is working on that actively. I will say he successfully graduated. So it's been a couple of years. Go, Steve. That's our relationship's responsibilities. Our second is our enjoyment, right? Well, do I not enjoy the things I used to enjoy because I would rather, right? I can get a quick hit here. Why would I want to do that anymore? I'm not talking about your kid used to love Legos, but now they want to use AutoCAD. I'm not talking about that, right? Or like in, in one situation, there was a young man who loved video games, right? But it was getting unhealthy, as parents could tell, on a reset. So he got plugged into a robotics program as a ninth grader and started dumping all of his time into that. Like, that's great. It's a nice transition. He's still passionate. He's still around tech. There's still lots of control and rules, and right, his brain is very logical. That's a great outlet for him. Compare that with the young man who used to love Legos and now will only play Minecraft. And his parents are like, well, it's basically Legos. Like, yeah, except it's not. Because Legos don't have a trillion-dollar company adding new DLC to keep your kid engaged, right? Like, Legos are blocks. I just gave mine from 30 years ago to my boys. They're the same blocks, right? There's no DLC or notifications or behavioral psychology tied in with that. Minecraft is one of the games you are going to see get very unhealthy very quickly. You can play it. Just make sure you're checking your reset. And if you start to notice things go off the rails, kids watching YouTube, actually, of Minecraft is another one. Like, well, I won't play it. I'll just watch YouTube. 10 hours a day. (laughs) Like, okay, let's look at a reset and see if you can do that healthfully. The third one is sleep. I'll start here. If you have your smartphone in your room because you need an alarm clock, because all of us need $1,000 alarm clocks, that's why you bought it, because you needed it. I'll I'll actually start with this. That's the alarm clock you need. Okay, I bought it, and I see Anna found out, I think, in December. We got it in January. It's not cheap. I think it's, well, let's see. Is there a price there? 30 bucks. What's the price of your sanity, I guess? Uh, it runs on two AAA batteries. It'll make it six months. It's small. It's wonderful. It's loud enough to wake you up. There's no holographic people that will show up. There's no internet access off this. It's an alarm clock. It doesn't tick, though, like those analog ones with, like, the switching numbers that drive you insane. So that's your alarm clock right there. That's the one you need. With that in mind, here's why. So this is by Matthew Walker. Uh, You may not be able to read it down there at the bottom, but he's the professor of neuroscience and psychology at UC Berkeley. He actually runs their neuroimaging department. And here's what he says. When sleep is abundant, minds flourish. When it's not, it's a sad downward spiral that affects intelligence quotient, emotional quotient, learning, memory, health, immune system, literally every bodily function. And if you want to read Why We Sleep, it's a great book. Sleep is not a joke. It's not something your parents just told you you need because they wanted to get rid of you. If you are not getting at least eight hours a night, you are doing yourself a disservice to the point where a study was done with two groups, college students. No, uh, there was only one fixed variable. The fixed variable was how long you slept. So different social, economic, different racial backgrounds, different academic levels. So we have postgraduate and graduate students, undergraduate. Um, and basically one group had to sleep less than five hours a night for two weeks. The other group had to sleep more than seven and a half. They were given a list of 100 words. They were given 15 minutes to study, put the words away, take a quiz, repeat for two weeks. And the recall in the group who slept more than seven and a half was more than double. Now they're all college kids. They're going to the same university. They're all clearly capable, just noting sleep. Please give yourself enough sleep. It's really important. Because sleep also affects your emotions. So the, the fourth one is emotions. Do you have high highs and low lows 
based off your tech. I'm not just saying you like tech and you're disappointed if your phone breaks or your internet goes out. Like, that's true. If you're looking forward to doing something and it goes away, we're all disappointed. But we're t- you've seen this, right? We know what we're talking about here. When you get that spike of like, life is now okay because it's my tech time. Or I, my tech time went away because my sister has a volleyball tournament and now I have to leave and I don't get to finish that game. I'm speaking like I'm speaking to the kids, but adults, I'm looking at you, right? We do this, right? It'll ruin a weekend if I don't get whatever it is, your emotions. And finally, your time. Can you hold to a time commitment? Can you say, I'm going to watch for an hour? I'm going to play for an hour. I'm going to only check my social media during this time of day and then keep it there. Because if you're like me, I don't check my phone long. I just check it all the time. It's like 10 seconds out of every three minutes, right? It's not long. It's just 10 seconds, but it's every three minutes all day. And if you sleep with your phone next to you, it might be all night too. Because you just remember that one thing. I just have to go message that one person and 20 minutes later, you're still scrolling because it doesn't have a bottom. Infinite scroll, by the way, is another, uh, another uh, psychology loop to keep you engaged in your social media. There's no bottom. It'll just keep going. Instagram did at least give you a check mark. It's like, you just got the bottom. Here's more pictures. So then we have the question, all right, if that's my reset, relationships and responsibilities, my enjoyment, my sleep, my emotions, my time. If I can say, no, tech does not get in the way of any of those, woohoo, great for us. However, if there are any one of those, like, oh man, my emotions and my time are definitely impacted by my tech, doesn't mean you have to get rid of all your tech. We'll talk about what we do next. It does mean that's where we start the conversation. Parents, this allows you now to go in because you don't need to know all the tech in the world. You just need to know your kid. You don't have to know every app, every game, every streaming service, every famous YouTuber. You don't have to know all that. In fact, I would encourage you not to because when we are in love with a certain type of tech, sometimes we start to make excuses for it, right? So I found that parents who love social media aren't always the best ones to understand boundaries with social media. Parents that love video games aren't always the best ones to make boundaries around video games because they understand why it's so attractive and they've kind of, it's easy to make excuses for why that needs to slide. So we start the conversation with, I love you. I notice that this is happening when you use that app, when you're around those people online, when you watch that, when you listen to the music, right? Whatever it is, you now get the hope focus of, I love you. We're aiming for that. We want to make sure there's no distractions, which brings us to, all right, so let's say I have a one. By the way, I did that at a school of 2,200 high schoolers in eastern Washington, Talked about reset. Obviously didn't get to do the gospel part of this. It was basically just pure Old Testament. Just here's what you need to do. I know none of you can, but they didn't hire me to tell you the gospel. So here's what you need to do. Reset. Show me fist to five. And fist means zero out of five. I don't have any problems on my reset. Five means I'm seeing all five of those in my life. Look around a room of 2,200 kids. You see almost no fist. Except about three kids who have this face. I'm like, why are you so mad if your tech is so healthy? My, we should probably talk about that, right? You don't know me. I'm not going to show you anything. So when we talk about it then, all right, let's say I have at least a one out of five. What do I do next? First, we got to start with that gospel. Remember that in Christ, you already are a new creation. You're not trying to earn God's love. You're not trying to make God proud of you. That's not the point. Point is, God already loves you. He has already done everything that's necessary in Christ 
for your salvation and your righteousness. Right? We have everything we need by the Holy Spirit for life and righteousness. We start there because that then is what lets us take a next hopeful step and not go, man, my kid is, I'm losing my kid. I have to hold on tighter. Pull the cord, throw the phone, ground it for life. Maybe that needs to happen, but it needs to happen from a place of hope, which brings us here. The first thing we're going to do is remove those distractions. In a conversation, lovingly with your child, unless they're five, then just let them know that you love them and act accordingly. (laughs) Okay, but assuming we have older kids, we're going to remove in conversation. And the verse we're going for is, if your right hand causes you to sin, if your right eye, right being the most important one at the time of this verse, if it causes you to sin, it's better to cut it off, gouge it out, and see the kingdom of God without all your members than to be thrown into the fires of hell with all your members. How do we apply this to tech? You and I have some tech that we'd be like, well, I need that. Like, sure, this is causing problems in my life, but come on. I need this. Not if it's causing you distance between you and God. You don't need anything. What is it going to be if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? Or let's say it's not your soul. Let's say it's your effectiveness and your ability to reach other souls. It is not worth having a smartphone, having internet, having video games, having that music you love. All of that becomes expendable in light of the gospel. We remove lovingly the things that are distracting, but we don't just leave them removed in a giant gaping hole, right? We're going to put something back there. We are going to replace with things that line up with what God's asking us to do. So Romans 8, 6, I love because it says, set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Don't set your mind on the things of the flesh. Set your mind is an action. It's a verb. It's what faith is, right? When we say, I believe in God, that's cool. James actually says, yeah, so do demons, and they shudder. (laughs) They're not saved. Believing in God is not the end goal. Following God in relationship is our goal. So we set our mind. We put Scripture into our hearts. We make time to commune with God regularly. We pray. We worship. We feed our hearts and souls so that we can want the thing God wants us to want, and we can see the sin and hate it. Because sometimes we just flat out don't hate our sin. God helps us with that. That's why there's a Holy Spirit, right? So we're going to set our mind on the things of the Spirit, and it looks like this. When we talk about, well, what are the things of the Spirit that's like, I sit in a room and I like chant mantras or something? Like, I don't know. What does that look like? Well, Philippians 4, eight tells us that. Now think about this as your litmus test for whatever you're going to watch this week. Whatever you're going to send in messages. You're on social media and people are getting snippy, right? And you're going to retort. Let's quickly run it through this one. Whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, praiseworthy. How's that for a list? Let's just think about what we viewed in the last week. Like, did it add up to that? This is not a suggestion, right? This is fruit of the Spirit. What's going to flow out of us when we're connected to the vine? Jesus says, you will bear fruit when you are connected to me. Not, if you do really well, I'll give you some fruit. Like, no, you're a vine. If you're connected or you're a branch. If you're connected to the vine, John 15, 5, you're going to bear fruit. That's what branches do when they're alive. This is your fruit. We want to be feeding our hearts and minds with the things that recognize and that uh, resonate with what Jesus is calling us to. So we remove the unhealthy. We replace it with healthy stuff. We are going to have to model that because when Deuteronomy says, raise your kids up, all right, Proverbs 22, 6, actually says this, raise your kids up in the way they should go. A lot of parents go, yeah, I'm going to have a contract. I'm going to have a ton of rules. I'm going to be awesome. And if they step out of line, I'm going to crack them. 
because God told me to, except that's not actually what it means. Raise them up in the way they should go is what Jesus did when he washed his disciples' feet and said, those who are the least of these are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The reason he said, greater love has no man than this, and he laid his life down for his friends, is because Jesus is going, I'm going to model for you. I want to raise you up in the way you should go, right? They're still confused. They don't understand what he says when he's like, I'm going to die and come back. They're like, yeah, what do you think that means? (laughs) Like, these are the people who spent three years with Jesus. He goes, here's what it looks like. I'm going to wash your feet, Judas, even though you're about to kill me. Right? I'm going to wash your feet, son or daughter, whom I love, but not all the time because you're hard to love. I'm going to show you how to spend your time based on how I spend my time. I'm going to show you where you should use your tech. I'm going to make you a priority in my life. We need to look at the way we're using our tech day to day and say, does that add up with what I've been called to do as a parent? Are my kids going to look at this and recognize when? So if we're using our phone at dinner, where are we putting our priority? Right? I had a young person say, well, I would, uh, I would like to do this, but my parents use tech when we're sitting together. I'm like, well, have you ever talked to them about that? They're like, yeah. They said we're not doing anything. Like, oh, please don't ever tell your kids that being with them is not doing anything. Right? That's modeling. Might not be the results we want, though. So as adults, this does fall back on us. We need to prayerfully address our own tech. We need to prayerfully address that in conversation if we are married with our spouse. It's not always fun. We don't always see face-to-face or eye to eye, I guess. (laughs) But we do need to work through that. And the last thing we need to recognize is we can replace those digital distractions with analog adventures. I won't be able to go a ton into this if you have questions or whatever. We're developing tools. The online workshop does have it. But the idea here is that whatever your kid does isn't what you want. You can't go, oh, get off those games. Go play football. I loved football. Would have been a pro if it hadn't been for my knee. Right? Like, that's not what we're saying. Your kid is uniquely gifted. They have interest. They have passion given to them by God, and they need to use those for their own ends. So my six-year-old, who's uniquely focused, he's been keeping a calendar, the one without the front teeth. He's been keeping a calendar for two years. He goes in and crosses off each day. He lets me know that, Dad, my birthday is in three weeks at the end of October. He asked me at the end of the day, Dad, was today a sticker kind of day? I don't know, son. I don't support this. I do not encourage you giving yourself stickers for good days and not for bad days. Like, that's not anything I want to do. But he's gifted, right? He's unique in that where his four-year-old brother is very different. He's much more like me. He just wants to have feelings and do puzzles in his underpants. So those two guys are going to have very different gifts, interests, passions. And if they get distracted, I'm going to need to give them different outlets. And those outlets are generally going to focus around what do we have available to us in this area, right? Like, do we have the feasibility to get it? What can we affect in our time and what can we afford, right? It doesn't just have to be things you're good at, but when we're making analog adventures, that is the idea here, is we need to give our kids this idea that God made an amazing world. He's wired them a certain way. We can find them awesome things to do. It's just going to take a little creativity. And yeah, I'm sorry, parents, it does take more work. So if you're both working multiple jobs and your kids are just stuck at home and you really don't have a resource in this season, I understand that. Just recognize this is where we want to get and maybe we can be part of making more of those resources in our community because I would argue, well, what's the number one reason kids don't play in their neighborhood? Nobody's outside, right? Why don't you go play outside? No one's outside. Playing outside means going on Fortnite and being with my friends. I had a nephew who went and had his uh, birthday. What he wanted to do was play video games with his friends. They all had to be at their independent homes so they could log in through their independent accounts so they could all play together. You had to be alone in order to be together. 
Let that sink in, right? So we can be part of that change. Oh, <laughs> this is Owen, six-year-old. Kid you not, I did not stage any of this. It was sitting on the table when I was cleaning up, and I was like, oh, I'm going to take a picture and use this. This was 10 days ago. Owen, uh, September is what that says up there. Wake up, play, eat breakfast, play a game, play with, I have no idea what that says, actually. Anna? Tino's? All right. Um, Take nap, wake up. By the way, that's an action item on this boy's list. Wake up. I mean, I get, right? Like, it makes sense. You want to make sure that happens. Uh, He's going to a friend's house, go home, play, eat dinner. I think it says play again, but with an R this time. Okay. If your child is making himself a checklist that includes wake up at the age of six, just know that's unique wiring. That is not, that's not me. I don't know what to do with that, but I'm going to take that into consideration when I'm thinking about analog adventures. Question all parents have. This is probably where you wanted me to start. But what can I use? I'm actually going to frame it this way. You need to have the hard conversations as part of the, well, what do we do about this tech? What do we do if we're unhealthy? We have the hard conversations. You need to talk about social media, and you need to be addressing all of those. TikTok, Pinterest, Instagram, Snapchat, um, or whatever you have nowadays, Uh, Twitter, YouTube, right? You need to get in there. The app that I encourage families to use is called Covenant Eyes because I believe it is wonderful in keeping accountable but not being creepy. There are apps that will let you see every thought, text, search, everything your child gets into, and now it's up to you to not overly creep out on your kid and read their journal every day. I like Covenant Eyes because that promise we love so much where Jesus promises, I will never leave you or forsake you, and we're like, yeah, that's right. We always remember that in trials, in those valleys, of the shadow of death. And then we go and make mistakes on purpose, and we forget that the promise still applies. Like, God did not leave us in that time. He's still there, just hanging out with us, watching us wallow in our own filth, going, how's that? And how do you like those teeth getting knocked out of your face? Are you ready for me to love you? <laughs> like, let's do this. Covenant Eyes does an awesome job making sure two sets of eyes always are there. TechWise Family is a book I would strongly encourage you to read when it comes to how do we just engage technology. It's not going to say tech is bad. Uh, And if you're trying to access a conversation for pornography, uh, especially younger kids, we're talking age six, five, six and up, kind of 10 or 11, good picture, bad picture. It gives you action items. It's more than just don't look at porn. It's like, hey, here's what porn is. Here's why God actually cares about this. Here's why if you find this or you see this or you're actually interested in your pursuing this, here's what we want to make sure we do. And it gives you some really practical steps on that. Um, All right, further resources. Uh, the first one is build a family tech framework. Again, online uh, workshop. That's what that thing is about. It's these seven lessons, about 10 minutes a piece. Comes with a PDF workbook right now because we're still getting the real one printed. Uh, I got final proofs today. So build a family tech framework for your family. Second is a gospel tech podcast. We have a weekly conversation, Anna and I, about how do we love God and use tech. And the third one is if you're interested and you're in the thick of it, we do Tech coaching, you can go to flintiron.org, click on tech coaching, um, and you can sign up there. It'll give you my calendar, and you can pick the date and time that works for you. So that's like, you're in it. You're in it, uh, in the weeds, really, for, for intensely right now. Online workshops. So that's a little piece of paper you have in front of you. If you take your camera out on your phone, boop, and point it at the screen, it would actually send you right there, okay? So have you ever used QR codes? Is that a thing you guys are familiar with? Cool. Awesome. Uh, and that is... That's our conversation for today. 
Thank you guys for being amazing, being focused. It's a late evening. Appreciate you all. I want to open this up to some questions that you might have, maybe some more specific questions, maybe some more topical questions. And so we've got 20, 30 minutes. So I've got my phone here. Okay. Um, if you want to text me, you can. If not, I will call on you. Before you answer, I will then repeat the question so that uh, everyone can hear. Good call. And then you can answer. All right. Jonathan. So the question is, uh, what's one or a few of the hard things that, um, about the conversation parents have with their children about technology from yeah, the, the kid's perspective? From the kid's perspective? I would say, that's a good question. I'd say one, one of the biggest is <laughs> feeling understood. Uh, that idea that a lot of these young people get their identity out of their technology so their friend group online is their friend group. So removing that technology is removing what's important to them. Um, the kids are more likely, like when I was growing up, I loved playing video games. And I played all the way until nine years ago. Bigger story there. But uh, they would now identify themselves as gamer. Well, I'm a gamer. This is part of like how I identify my reality. So I'd say that's a big one as well. My parents just don't get it. They don't understand why this music is important to me. They don't understand why this game is important to me. They don't understand why I need that app in order to connect with my friend because that is where I go. So I would say that's a big one. And then uh, I think just the generational difference of, well, like I didn't need that growing up, right? Get off my lawn. So like I understand a lot of us are what I would call tech nomads. We grew up in a world with like quasi-tech, right? Like dial-up internet came out when I was in high school, right? And then the smartphone came out when I was in college, so, like, I have a smartphone, but I don't need my smartphone. But for young people, most of them are using a touchscreen before they were one, right? Like, my 18-month-old knows how to slide f pictures and zoom in on stuff, right? Like, she just—they're they're swimming in it. So it's like trying to talk to a fish about water. Like, you're like, hey, we need to talk about your tech. And all they hear is yada, 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 I hate you, right? Like, they assume—like, when kids hear, oh, we're going to go to a tech talk tonight. Sutherland's giving it. They just hear, there's some old guy talking about why tech is bad. Like, that's all they heard you say. So I hope that's not what you guys heard tonight, but that's probably what you thought coming into this. Like, here's three ways to get rid of your kid's technology. So I would say those are the hardest ones, followed closely by um, the parents misusing it more than them and then, then getting yelled at, right? It's the parent who smokes yelling at you for smoking. And be like, all right, I get it. You're mad at me for being on my phone, but you're yelling at me over your phone, right? Mom and dad who are playing Candy Crush at soccer practice, or spending way too much time getting mad at Facebook, right? So I think that would be the top three. Yeah, yeah. Aaron. <laughs> yeah.
so what do you do when you're committed to uh, have healthy technology, but maybe the other social networks or people you relate to in school and family are not as committed? Is that basically your question? Yeah, I think, I think there's two kind of avenues that you actually address in the same one. So let's take those separately. I think you have my family has a certain standard for our technology, right? We've had this communication clearly. We've set up a family tech framework. We know where we stand. So this is where we use tech. This is where we don't. This is when it's okay to be on. This is when it's not right. And then we go to a friend's house and those rules aren't being followed. I think that's the first part of the question is, well, we set those standards up for a reason and they don't just apply inside our house, right? Like we are doing this hope focused and our hope didn't change just because our location did. Right, so we're on vacation. My hope didn't change. Like I can't now be rude to people <laughs> just because I'm in a different location. So I think we do need to be willing to have those uncomfortable conversations. Um, families over the holidays, right? Cousins are going to show up and they may not have the same standard you do. They may play different games. They might listen to different music. They might watch different shows and they may want to do that right in your home because they have the devices to do that. And there is a time and a place to have that conversation. That, hey, we don't use our, we had this at our dinner table, right? We just hadn't addressed it. And so we had to tell a family, like, oh, we don't, we don't use our phones at dinner. Could you please put that away? And it wasn't an issue, right? But it was really awkward up to that. We're like, why are they on their phone? Like, we're literally eating together. Like, that's super rude, and our kids are right here. Um, we had to address it. So I think that's the first part is, yeah, you might actually have to address that with friends, acquaintances, children's friends of like, hey, here's our standard for our house, for our kid, for our car, that kind of stuff. I think the second side, which is the big conversation, right, of like, well, this is where the people are. What are we supposed to do? I would encourage you strongly not to hide under a rock. This is not a conversation on how to be a Luddite and go hide away and not use any technology up to it. I would, uh, I would quote Andy Crouch from the TechWise family and say, you might have to be more Mennonite than you expect, right? You might have to be more low-tech than you would think you would have to be, but um, I don't think you have to hide. So in that conversation, I think you use tech to drive in-person relationships. The research is telling us that um, social media relationships simply aren't the same unless they're backed up with a real-world relationship and a face-to-face connection, then they can be very positive. But basically, they have no bump in psychological health. If the only relationship I have with that individual is through a screen, there's something about it that even if we're Zoom calling, even if we're seeing faces— So uh, I would say you use that technology to drive the in-person and the analog. I would, you invite those kids to that non-digital or at least real life digital. Like, great, we're going to start a band and make music. Cool. You can use your phones to record that and whatnot, but you're together. You're making your music separately with masks on. I don't know, but yeah. Yes. Oh, and now we've touched it. Yeah. So the, the, the question is evolving, and it's what happens when your kids want to invite some friends over, you know, to, to play in real time, in real place, as embodied creatures, but their friends only want to connect online or some other. This is of. the sickness, right? This is what we're running into. I can't go play in the, in the neighborhood because there's no kids outside. And when I invite them, they say no because they're doing their favorite whatever electronic activity. I think we have to push back against that hard. I think we have, I don't think there's a simple answer to that because what you're dealing with is kids recognizing, well, I have an hour to have fun. The maximum amount of fun I can have is on this game or on the social media or on the show. So why would I spend my hour doing anything else? And the point is, well, that hour is probably drool tech. It's probably not just an hour and you're getting so socially isolated. And so 
trained into this being your form of enjoyment, that you're getting much more passive than active, and you're wasting a lot of those gifts, interests, potential passions that you could have, and you're settling for what you're being fed. That people are giving you something really exciting. So I used to love pursuing this, but now I'm willing to be fed this because it's so much easier and it's more exciting. So I I think you put your finger on it. And I think what we're going to have to do as a culture is start finding ways to engage kids in some of that cool stuff, right? Uh, It's not, by the way, the first time this happened. The Boy Scouts was actually formed out of the UK during the Industrial Revolution because like kids these days, they're just running around the streets and getting into trouble. We need to get them in the woods. And that's actually how the Boy Scouts started was literally getting kids out of industrial England and moving them to nature and be like, that's a tree. You probably haven't seen one before. This is clean air, not just soot. Like that's where it began. I'm not saying we have to run our kids out to the woods. By the way, never take them on a hike. That's an H word. Don't use it. Uh, Take, take them on an outdoor adventure, right? Do, do any number of things you want to do, but uh, hike, bad word. It's basically a forced march at that point. They don't want to do that. Yeah. So. <laughs> if you knew my associate pastor, you'd be laughing right now. Uh, uh, I've got um, a... It can still be a hike. It's just don't call it that. That's all. Great. Do you have an alternative word like... Uh, Boys, we're going to go on an adventure. Let's go. And they're up for an adventure. Like, grab a stick. We're going to knock some stuff down. We walk around for an hour crushing nettles, right? Like, they don't know that. Take them hunting. Let's be serious. Most hunters, it's a hike with a gun, right? Like, that's really what you just did. Six days, we hiked with guns. We got a bunch of guide time. Like, that's what just happened. But you call it hunting. That's fine. That's fantastic. Go for it. Um, I, uh, I got a... <laughs> A text and it's the, the layers of questions. Okay. Um, so, so the first is, how do you cut off kids from tech? Should you do it once or Ooh, yeah. kind of step down slowly? Yeah. Um, and then that, the second part, and it does relate, is how, how do you replace the highs these kids have used mm. um, when you take tech away? Okay. That's awesome. Uh, these are all the things that didn't make it into the talk because... I didn't want to talk for an hour and a half straight, right? Like, it probably already felt like a fire hose. Uh, So the book I would point you to is by Dr. Victoria Dunkley. Uh, It's literally, I think, called Resetting Your Brain. Um, And basically what she's going to talk about is, hey, overstimulation is a thing. It basically activates your fight or flight responses. So your brain, when it's playing should I pick on a game? Let's pick on a game. If you're playing Warzone, which is a Call of Duty franchise game, it's an online first-person shooter. It is very realistic. It is very fast-paced. There's lots of explosions, lots of flashing lights. Your brain is getting absolutely dumped with adrenaline and dopamine and survival hormones that are telling it, you're in a fight, live. But you're not in a fight. You're sitting in a chair doing the last thing that looks like fighting, right? (laughs) You might be dying, but you're not fighting. So, with that in mind, you then try to take that brain and put it in front of a chessboard or something, right? Like, that's going to be a really hard transition. So, uh, Dr. Dunkley will say the first thing you do is you have to get away from tech. Now, do you do it cold turkey? Research shows us you're not going to hurt a person. This is not crack cocaine, right? You are not going to pull them off and they're some going to die because they didn't have their technology. But will it make your life miserable? Probably. It takes about two weeks to get like a half drawdown and a full month, 30 days is what she says, before the brain can operate at the same level of dopamine that real life can produce. So you're looking at 30 days ahead of you. Now, whether you want to wait for that 
like potty training a dog. Like, we're going to wait for summer so that we can really do this consistently. Like, I don't know. Like, you might want to try to phase that out. I would honestly start with a reset and start with a conversation if your kid's over the age of eight. And say, hey, we're noticing these things. What do you recognize? Most kids, most kids with a relationship and rapport with an adult will be able to tell you what their problem is with tech. They have no solutions. But they will be able to go, yeah, I'm most unhealthy with A, B, or C. Right? Like, this is where it happens for me. You can then ask them for a solution. They'll be like, I think I need more time. They're like, interesting. Let's talk about that. Right? Like, that's, you don't have to just go with what they say, but engage them in that. Most of them can put their finger on it when you come up with that reset idea. And then you can talk about, is this something, this, this is unredeemable. Me for video games. I was a 29-year-old adult at 2 a.m. one morning when I was like, oh my goodness, this is a problem. <laughs> right? I've been gaming since seven and it's, this is an issue. Right? I was all of those. Right? I was just good enough at hiding it. My wife wouldn't have told you she noticed anything. Right? We're five years into marriage, but I had an issue. So it's been nine years. It had to be off for me. Maybe that's not the case for you. Right? I have a brother-in-law who can game as an adult and love his four children and be fine. So I would say start with the book like Dr. Victoria Dunkley's. Uh, if your social media is the thing, I, uh, there's a TED Talk by uh, Dr. Sherry Turkle from MIT. Uh, who talks about being alone. She has a book of the same title, Alone Together, that talks a little bit more about like what's happening in the brain, what's driving our lack of satisfaction, even though we should be getting so much enjoyment and connection. So I would say start there. Is that all three parts of that? I, I think so. Okay. All right. I think I did. Other questions? Jonah? Okay, what, so what, what encouragement would I give to a kid who's into tech and that's not a priority for their family, right? So this is the Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. We just watched that on Friday with my kids. So the dad runs a sardine fishing, fishing tackle business and the son wants to be an inventor and his dad's just like, right, I don't get tech. Come work for the family business, right? If that's, if that's you and your kid, what encouragement would I give to the kid? Uh, okay, first of all, Oh man, I would give so much encouragement. Um, where to start though? I would first of all tell that kid, uh, you're not crazy, technology is awesome. Okay, that's the reality. Like I'm still, this is weird, I ran a gaming club even after I gave up gaming because I love the kids who game and I actually really enjoy video games. So I'm still like a nerd about gaming culture, but I can't play games, right? Like that's, I just can't play them. It's a sickness. Uh, so that's the first thing is like, you're not crazy for liking this. This is a real thing. They're designed to be awesome and they are awesome. Often more awesome than real life. The music is good. Your YouTubers are awesome. Like all that is really cool and fun and amazing. Then I would ask them like, is it an issue? Right? Let's, let's focus on that because if it's not an issue, continue pursuing this in a way that's going to convince your parents this is a good idea. Right? Set your boundaries and take them to your parents. Be like, here's what I'm going to hold to as far as healthy tech. Right? My, I had a young man whose parents were like, should my kid play this video game? By the way, there's a whole video on that. I literally walk through a Fortnite game grade uh, on how, how to answer questions. Should my kid play this game? I, you can do it in like four minutes. He went through that himself, took it to his parents, because my answer was no. Like, here's the game grade. It's like a three out of ten. Don't let him play that game. He did the game grade, came up with the same thing, and said, but if I don't go there, don't do this, don't play these things, right? Now it's a six out of ten 
And if I break this agreement, you can have my cell phone, you can take my internet, right? Like he did the whole thing himself and pitched it to him. They're like, yeah, sure. You just took initiative, 14-year-old boy. Like, we're going to encourage that. So I would encourage young people to pitch it to their parents and show them this is not just something I'm doing to pull the wool over your eyes. This isn't something I'm doing just to be cute and get away with stuff. I'm interested in it. I'm passionate about it. I'm good at it, or at least I enjoy it, and I'm healthy with it. And I'm going to prove that you. I'm going to go out of my way to show you that I'm okay with this. And I would say you start there. And by the way, if your kid wants to be a professional gamer or you, let's just start there, all right? You go to have a, I talked on Friday to a group of online middle schoolers. Very unsettling. Uh, and most of them, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? You're going to hear, I want to be a SoundCloud rapper. I want to be a professional YouTuber because dude perfect. Uh, or I want to be a professional gamer. Now, when I was growing up, professional gamer was literally a non sequitur joke right? Like it was two parents looking at their kid playing Mario, and it's like, save the princess, $50,000. It's a real thing, okay? You can no longer tell your kid that that's not a thing. Overwatch, Fortnite, just streaming. You don't have to be good at games. You can just sell your soul to the internet, and they will pay you for it. The question then is, all right, if that's your goal, can you be healthy doing that? Professional athletes spend something like four to six hours a day training, five days a week, maybe six. Professional gamers spend 12 to 16 hours a day, and there's very few of them that make money. So just have that conversation and go, all right, where are your limits? Where are your boundaries? How, will, how far are you willing to pursue this at the sake of your mental and physical psychological health? So I think th- that would be the next caveat if you have a kid who wants to be a professional gamer. It is a thing. There's actually college programs for it. I need to let that sink in. I'm not ready for college sports being video games. Where were you went to college? No, not yeah. yet. Okay. But Buffalo University in New York has one. <laughs> Maybe because it's easy to telecommute. Yeah. I don't know. Vicky? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think that's where the family tech framework is really going to come in. Cause, so what that does is it, it actually walks you through. So you've got the little seven intravitas, which you just witnessed like the first four, basically. They're a little more detailed. But um, you walk through that, and then your kids and you actually walk through this understanding of, here's the areas we're going we're to make a social media agreement. We're going to make sure we're on the same page, right? And you get kind of the tech understanding. So you understand what they love and why they love it. They understand the hope you have for them. And then when it comes to alternative activities, you're going to have to make the conversation of, well, do you just not like it? Or is this actually a reset issue? Like, son or daughter, you have less joy, right? You get more snippy. You fight with me more when you are listening to that music, hanging out with those friends, watching those shows, right? That becomes a different conversation than just, man, I don't get why you like that game, right? Like, those are two very different conversations. Then you hone it down to, all right, that game's unhealthy, but this game would be fine. Here's our time limit. We should not be on our drool tech more than two hours a day, more than 10 hours a week, okay? That's really the, when we start to see what the data and statistics show us, that's where we start to run into some of these psychological things. And for some kids, it might be a lot lower. But that's two hours a day at max, five days a week, which is a lot of drool tech time. But that's our social media, etc. I would say with your kiddos, which are, are these some of the kiddos right there? 
refusing to make eye contact with me. What's up? Hey, um, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to throw you guys under the bus. It's a real thing. I would just ask you to, I guess, do a self-check on um, why is that other stuff not exciting, right? Is it because of this easy out or is it because you're passionate? And if you're passionate about it, I would say get in the making side, right? If social media is a passion for you, get into making social media content that is worthwhile. Lord knows the internet needs it. And that's a real thing. Shoot, there's TikTok people sharing the gospel and like it's, it's a whole deal, right? Like it's not, you wouldn't be tip of the spear on that. If it's making music, make awesome music, right? Go do that. Create. Don't just let consuming be a spot. And I think as a parent, lovingly holding that in front of them and reminding them of who they can be. And sometimes that does mean there's going to be hard choices on removing some of those tech options if they prove unmanageable for the young person and unhealthy for you and your family. And again, uh, socially, community-wise, we want to be aiming to getting kids in those in-person things. And right now in COVID, that's super hard. So I think that's where some family creativity is going to come into um, effect with what what can we do to make those engaging. Because I would just add this. Last thing, your brain can get used to such a high level stimulation. The stuff you would find fun isn't fun right now because it just can't stack up to what I'm getting. And so sometimes we do need that family step back, but always in conversation, always in relationship, and always with the focus out of love. It doesn't mean that they'll be happy about it, but they'll know that mom loves us. This is being done intentionally, not reactionary, not just because she doesn't get us, but because she does get us, and that she can see what this is adding up to. Okay, we got time for a couple more questions. Yeah. Emily. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> this is usually well, where I have no idea what you're talking about. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, obviously that's just a reflection of you as a parent. So, if you yeah. were better, it would all. Okay, so, so the question is, um, uh, what about parents uh, of toddlers yeah. and uh, especially when, you know, parents are tired and how should we think about technology for really younger, younger yeah. children? Yeah, I think, I think there is two parts to this, right? So, I mean, on the research side, you're like, well, you're not going to find anyone who says, show your toddler television, right? Like, it's not out there. It's not, it's not good. But we live in the real world. Uh, so when, like, Anna is gone and I have three kids and my 18-month-old is a lovely but crazy human— Right? Like a show becomes a thing. I would say, excuse me, um, I would say I get it when parents have to shower, have to cook a meal. They use a show, right? They, there is this ability to buy yourself some space. Actually, I think we might have done that with our kids tonight and prepping for this because dinner had to get ready, but we had to leave by five. And like you, had to, you have to be able to hear your own thoughts for a couple seconds. And I get that. Um, so we do recognize that. I would say twofold. I mean, under the age of two, uh, the research, research is pretty staggering on, on the negativity of some of that. Uh, so I think it can be done. You just really want to really want to put it out. So don't let it seep from, well, I needed 20 minutes to make dinner to we're in the grocery store and now I just don't want to hear you. Now we're in the car, so I'm going to turn this on. And now all of a sudden this kid's got two and a half hours of screen time because it was just so convenient and it does creep because we know it'll work. That's, that's why this is a problem, right? It's not a problem because we're making it up. Like, it works. The kids are quiet. They are focused. It is, they might even be learning their ABCs. Uh, the second part of that is I would encourage you to be careful what you show them. So baby Einstein, uh, about 20 years ago, was the thing. And we're like, look at how smart kids are. We did brain scans. Their brains look like the 4th of July. Turns out those kids didn't have higher reading scores. They had lower reading scores. 
because they were just overstimulated. That's what was happening to their brains. <laughs> they were learning how to be ADD. They weren't learning how to learn. Right? They were just learning that flashing lights are amazing. I'm just going to stare at this crazy puppet and then spinning objects and then strobe lights. Right? Like that's, we want to be careful that there are things like, I think I included on there, the, uh, the amount of stimulation. So if you have Mr. Rogers, I would argue he moves slower than the pace of real life. Right? <laughs> And that's probably about the best you can get if you're in a pinch. Toss on Mr. Rogers, right? Like, that's great. Preach on. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Yeah. And, but there are some, like, growing up, Samurai Jack was a thing. It's like the Powderpuff Girls. There's not, if you count, you want eight seconds uh, before a camera switch is what you're aiming for. So one, 1,000, two, 1,000. Watch in between and just count. Golf barely makes eight seconds anymore, Okay. There is not a lot of television that makes eight seconds with one camera angle. Mr. Rogers makes two and a half minutes. One camera as he walks over and feeds the fish and sits down and then stacks the batteries, right? What do you think this is, friends? You know, like, if someone talked to me like that now, I would assume they're going to murder me. Like, it just isn't the way we're used to, like, why are you talking so slow? So I would say that's the second part is just the amount of stimulation. Be careful with that. But it is reality. And you, how old's your kiddo? Three and a half. That's fantastic. I love three and a half. I'm ready for my 18-month-old to be three and a half. She, she's a delight, but yeah. All right, mate. Jonah. Yeah. I would love to read that research. Most of the research I've read that argues that, because I've read research that it makes your kids smarter. Um, I've read research that makes them more social, that it uh, improves their, their brains and ability to function. Uh, if you read all the research, it's generally not true. Most so, More social would generally be, uh, we asked 1,500 teenagers nationwide uh, to self-assess how they feel about their peer relationships and how many friends they have. And based on that, kids who used more social media or used more internet time said they were happier with their internet use and they had more friends. It's usually the way those research studies go. Um, a real conversation with one of those kids would be like, all right, so if someone in your family gets cancer, how many of those people are going to come help you? Right? When your common interest is the reason you're friends, that video game is the reason you're friends. You leave the video game, the friends generally don't travel with you. Yeah, I feel great. I feel super connected. I've got my squad. I've got my people. I've got this cohort of individuals. But when crisis hits, most of the time, now you can find articles of people on World of Warcraft who go with people in, our, in their avatar status. I get that as a thing. And I think we're getting more of that. I would actually argue it's more of the conversation of, of no one's outside. Where do I go to belong? Like there is no alternative. So I have to find it here then hey, video games are good because we've somehow now improved on the human condition, right? There's a bunch of books on that about how humans have now elevated to the second level of humanity. We're now human 2.0. So Homo sapien was 1.0 and now we're the next thing because we're integrated with technology and Elon Musk wants to put chips in our brains. So that, that, is, that is the argument. I would 
say it's probably not true, how much would be as much as is healthy and no more than two hours a day on entertainment tech um, if you were asking me. And I would say that should only be five days a week. And the reason being the sheer amount of stimulation for your young developing brain, which by the way, young men, your brain doesn't stop developing to your mid-20s, and specifically the orbital prefrontal cortex, the thing that helps you decide if something is or is not a good decision and gives you that split second before you go, should I truck my brother right now? Who cares? That thing isn't developed to your mid-20s. It develops way slower with overstimulation. That's one of the first things to go, is the ability it, uh, what do you call it when it stops? It mitigates uh, aggressive behavior. So when people go, video games cause violence, it's not because they see violence, it's actually overstimulation. And yes, kids are more aggressive on video games, not because like, I should be Grand Theft Auto. That's not what's happening. But the sheer amount of stimulation does actually impede the development of the part of your brain that allows you to go, good choice, bad choice. Um, so two hours a day. And if you don't agree with that, you can talk it out with your dad. I'm not your dad. Work it out in your family. Make a family framework. Well, um, I'm certain that you'll stick around if you have yeah. f further questions or would want to ask a more private question. Sure. You'll, you'll stick around for a little bit. Yeah. But if you're anything like me, there are at least multiple levels of <laughs> conviction and conversations uh, to be had. So Yeah, let me jump in on that real yeah. quick. So again, the podcast, we're doing this all the time. Every Tuesday, there's a new one. We got, I don't know, 30 some odd. You can go check. Reestablishing tech boundaries. So those will answer maybe some of the questions you've got. And then social media, if you're on it. Um, we are at Sparking Purpose on Facebook and um, at Flint and Iron. And literally, it's just a daily reminder of gospel and kind of how can we redirect. I'm not going to be jumping on and shaming you. Anna does all my editing on that. So she makes sure that my mean teacher voice doesn't come out and that it's all positive and helpful, not just trying to score technology points on people. So those would be the ones I'd point you to for kind of the ongoing if we don't, if we don't nail it all down today. Is, is, is your title Shame Editor? Shame Editor. That's... Inf information czar, okay. queen of the world. Okay. It's generally all good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me, let me pray okay. and then uh, stick around. We, we can uh, have a more private conversation or hopefully we're going to have lots of conversations uh, moving forward as individuals, within our families, within our communities. So let me pray to that end. Uh, God, we are grateful for the gospel, the, the foundation of, of why we're here. Um, Lord, we're grateful that, that we're not saved um, through our good behavior, um, and, and we're just grateful that we're saved because of Christ's obedience and his life, death, and resurrection, Lord. Um, Lord, all of us are feeling various levels of conviction and confusion, and um, Lord, so I just pray that you would give us all wisdom Pray, Lord, that you would give us courage to have those conversations. Pray that you would give us perseverance and endurance, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that in everything, Lord, we, we would bring glory to you, um, including how we engage with technology. Uh, pray that you be with Anna and Nathan as they continue to have this conversation with uh, many different people and various churches, Lord. Pray that you would have favor upon them, encourage their ministry, bless it, Lord. And we just pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Well, thank you, Nathan and Anna, for being here. We just so appreciate it. This has been a great night.